Welcome to Highway Christian Community Sermon Downloads. For more sermons, please visit our website. We know you will be blessed as you listen. Take care and God bless. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns. Oh, I'm heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God awesome. Oh, yes, Lord, you're awesome. You're wonderful. You are our hope and you're our trust, you're our confidence. Though the world may seem to be going crazy around us, Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus, you are at the center. You know, there's times when I've known that centrality of Jesus so profound that it's been tangible, it's been electric. Then there might have been times, and there have been times where the centrality of Jesus has been a mental concept. And then there's been times where the centrality of Jesus has been absent for little chunks of time. Day here and a day there. But I know the difference when the centrality of Jesus to our life is a living moment, existential experience, something we're in compared to something we just know about. I think that's also why I need to come to church every Sunday. It just kind of focuses me a little bit. I don't know about you. So it's like the woman who, the husband was asked about his wife's food and he couldn't remember one meal he'd ever, she'd ever made but he, he knew he was in good health because of year in and year out year in and year out year in and year out and for many of us we don't remember the exact input that we had into our life year in and year out year in and year out but it makes a difference in the long term Amen I want to share this morning that Jesus was very, very clear about his purpose on earth. He was clear that he came to seek and to save the lost. He came to reverse the curse that had come on fallen mankind because of willful high treason against the government of heaven. And this wasn't a plan B. God, in his eternal knowledge, knew that in the flesh, Emmanuel would take on fallen Adam's first condition and through living the perfect life that no other human could ever live, he would take back the authority that man had relinquished in his rebellion. Jesus was very clear. He knew he had a short time, but he was focused on that 
as his eternal prize. So that's the first thing Jesus was clear about, his purpose. There was a second thing Jesus was clear about, and that was his method. Purpose without a method can sometimes just run out of time. You know? There's a method that he goes about. Very clearly, he selects a community around him of disciples. He spends time showing them, delegating, supervising, imparting, and then commissioning. And that commission had to rework itself generation after generation after generation. Our disciples making disciples who will make other disciples. That is God's way of bathing this planet in the gospel of his freedom. Families were perpetuated. We saw last week, we answered the question, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? All the clever people said the chicken. And we asked the question, what comes first, ministry or maturity? And you must be a very well-taught church because you mostly got that one right. Ministry comes first, according to Ephesians chapter 4. Because as we serve with our gifts, both in our everyday life and in the kingdom of God, in the church for the gospel, that maturity comes to us. And we looked at that last week. And we had to answer the question for ourselves personally, am I spending more time ministering compared to spending time equipping other people to minister? Because unless we're multiplying ourselves or discipling others to do what we're doing in the kingdom, you see, that's true as families. That's true in business. I'm not negating or or disputing, or, or, or watering that down. But I'm talking about the church. I'm talking about the gospel. In the gospel, if we're not reproducing ourselves, we are heading for another dark ages. Amen? So it's more important that we spend time equipping others. And that's always a risk. Last week, uh, I shared some personal illustration around that. I had a choice in my congregation in Pretoria in the late 80s, early 90s of uh, an assistant pastor. And there was one person who looked so eligibly the right, had the right fit, the right mix. And God clearly showed me it was someone else who didn't have quite the same level of gifting, maturity, good looks, styled haircut, designer wardrobe. Colgate smile. But he had the ability of raising up leaders. What should I have gone? For the man of power for the hour? Because that is the syndrome that has infected the church with STDs. This man of power for the hour syndrome. You know what STDs are? Spiritually transmitted diseases. There's a spiritually transmitted disease called the man of God syndrome. And I got saved into a community, Little Sandy's Church. We, I, just, I never knew church. I never knew the Bible before I got into this community. And they, the, the, the pastor, we loved him, we respected him, but he was Peter to us. And he was 
a friend, and he was an amazing guy, and, and he was a few steps ahead of us, and he used to uh, inspire us. But he was always Peter who was equipping us. And we had a mixture of grace and law, but I'd rather live with that than what I found later in the church. When I moved up to Johannesburg, I thought, I could find a church. So I went to a church everyone was raving about, and I knew who the man of power for the hour was before I got there, because there was a four-story high building picture of him and his wife from the shoulders up. So I got a good glimpse of him long before I got into the church. And then when I got into the church, I found that all the little pamphlets and booklets all had his big beaming smile on it without the little glistening on the teeth, you know. And I thought, this, wow, this, is, this must be like Christianity on steroids. And I found out that even on the campus there was a little chapel that was named after his family. Wow. And the only problem with this model was that he was the only guy that could do the ministry. If you had a problem, you had to go for professional help to his ministry. If people were going to get saved... It was because it was through the professional work of his, his ministry. And I'm not taking away from the man, and I'm sure he did a good work. It was just such a contrast in my early Christian life. I must say it was something refreshing when we joined NCMR, with, with, you know, with their warts and freckles and all. When we joined NCMR and went to the first big conference, and I'd heard about this Dudley Daniels for many years, but I didn't know who he was after the whole week in Bloemfontein. I thought, well, that's different. They've not been infected with mogs, virus, mogs, you know, man of God syndrome. See, Jesus takes his disciples. He says, you go lay hands on the sick. You go heal them. Why did you wake me up? I was sleeping last night in the boat. Why didn't you calm the storm down? They come to him and say, Lord, you know, these people have been following you for many days. They're hungry. You feed them. Think Jesus was grumpy? No. He was equipping them. Saying, the works that I'm doing, you're also going to do. You better get used to it because I'm only around for a little while and then I'm moving on. Don't just look to me as the man of power for the hour. You go and do what I'm doing and then take people with you and show them how to do it. There's no other way. So Jesus was clear about his purpose. He was clear about his strategy. And I'm so glad I don't need a billboard-sized photo of Janet and I outside the church. And our picture on all our literature and pamphlets. And a designer outfit with a styled haircut and a Colgate smile. You want a special chair? Put, yes! That's the other one. You've got to have a special throne. And then there must be a smoke machine. That just so that when you come up from the elevator, you suddenly... But you know, the, you laugh. But you know what the sad, sad, sad thing is? People love it. They run to that stuff. You know why? Because it absolves them of their responsibility to do the ministry. Because the ministry is for the priesthood. 
And it's through ministry that we come to maturity. Ministering in your gift, using your gift, is what makes you a mature Christian. Not having to make an appointment with a man of power to go and get his anointing, a little dash of his uh, handkerchief against your forehead, or a piece of the cross to get sent to you by mail. Are you tracking with me? Jesus was very clear what he came to do. He was very clear how he was going to go about it. Paul picked up on it in 2 Timothy 2.2 where he says, The things I've taught you teach reliable men who can instruct others. Paul got it. I'm a bit like Paul. I don't think I've got the charm, the personality, or the charisma to pull off that big poster act and the man of power for the hour. So you're safe with me for now, okay? But if I can give my life to equip other people to do work of ministry, yes, then I've achieved something. And church, well done. we got people all over the world doing the works of ministry today. People in the city doing works of ministry. And many of you doing works of ministry. Because we want to be an equipping and an empowering house for the gospel. You declared this morning that the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. Do you believe that? You declared that you have been anointed to bring good news to the brokenhearted, the prisoners, those inflicted, those in depression. To give oil for mourning, garment of praise for the Spirit of heaviness. We are co-workers, co-laborers in the kingdom. And if we just got to hear this message for a while, because this is the month of equipping to empower. Maybe we've got to hear it a few times before we actually believe it. And the next time someone comes and says, I've got this and this and this problem, and you say, before you say, let me take you to my leader, or let me take you to this person, or let me take you to that person, you say, hang on, Isaiah 61 The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I'm going to pray for you. Because I've been qualified through the blood of Jesus and His perfect work. That's why one time, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but Jesus taught about the the talents. And, And He said to one man was given ten, to one man was given five, to another man was given one. They were told to go and invest them because the master would come back. And the person with 10 had a capacity for 10 and multiplied the 10. And the person for 5 also invested the 5. The other person with 1 said, I'm fearful because I I know you're a tough boss. And when you come back, you're going to demand things. and, And I was too scared to step out and risk. What does that sound like? Just another excuse to hide this lurking fear of rejection, this this fear of disapproval that we might get because we've stepped out. Maybe we've done it wrong. Well, here's the good news in the kingdom. You're allowed to make mistakes. 
That's the good news in the kingdom. And Jesus said you should have rather just taken it to the bank to get a, a return on it. Not Jesus, the, the person Jesus was talking about, the, the owner of the, the, the master in the parable. And he's using that to illustrate just do anything, but do something. And when you just do what you can do with what you got, that's going to bring favor on it. It's going to bring a dividend. It's going to bring interest to it. And I tell you what, Christians are afraid they might just do it wrong. Many Christians. I'm just not educated enough. I'm just not clever. I'm just not the right color. I'm not the right age. I'm not the right race. I'm not the right... And we hide behind all these things because we are afraid of failing. And we need to be liberated from that. And this morning, I hope you are already liberated. Because you're allowed to make mistakes in the kingdom. There's a thought. In fact, not only should we be allowed to make mistakes, we should celebrate it when we make a mistake. And say, like uh, Thomas Edison, only after how many, a hundred and something times did he, did he get his project right with the electric light bulb. But he said, every time I failed... I celebrated because it was one new way I learned of how not to do it. Well, Steve, I've tried to do this and it, nobody came. Then we started with worship, but nobody liked me. Then we got involved in this outreach and we were kicked out. And, and every time I do something, we just it doesn't work. We failed at this. We failed at that. We failed at this. Now, we should be celebrating and saying, well, now we know that's, we've just found one way not to run a home cell. Don't tell people you're starting at 7, then start at 8. Tell them they can go home at 9 and you keep them there till 12. Great lesson you've just learned. Amen? Don't have your dogs barking and climbing all over people during the, the, the meeting. Don't arrive on the stage with slip slops and wiping sleep out of your eye with your hair in 60 directions. Don't walk into a hospital ward and start using King James at the top of your voice. Let's celebrate that mistake you made. Because if you get it right, you won't make that mistake again. There's another way to do it. Can you see? That everything you do, we can learn how to do it a better way. If it's not working, if the group is dead, well then let's let the sucker die. Have a post-mortem. Find out what we should have done. And then do it again and do it properly. And not just give up. Amen? Ministry is the pathway to maturity. But ministry doesn't mean we won't make mistakes. Jesus coming down the, the mountain and his disciples couldn't cast this demon out. He showed them how to do it. Maybe you come and say, well, I tried this thing and it didn't work. I remember one time Janet and I, hey, we're going to start a, like a, a social fellowship group. We were young in the church up in uh, Gauteng, and we, we're going to get people over. We made salads and had lots of meat to cook, and hey, we were da, da, excited, and nobody came. All dressed up and no place to go. Have you ever had, I mean, we had salad and meat for weeks. 
But we discovered what we did wrong. I discovered what we did wrong. People don't do what you expect. They do what you inspect. Can I rephrase that? We were expecting them just to rock up because we said we're having a bra. But a phone call would have said, in, on Saturday afternoon, we're having a bra. Are you still coming? I'm hoping to come. Okay, will you let me know by Saturday night because I'm going to be cooking meat. Okay. People don't do what you just they expect. I hope they pitch. I expect. You know. They do what you inspect. They do what you follow up and find out and hold accountable to you. Amen? So we learned something. We didn't stop inviting people for braflays and salads. We intensified. But I always remember the look on my wife's face when nobody came that day. It was quite hysterical. She had to go for inner healing for months and months. Sozo. No. Let it die. Do an autopsy. Learn from it. Mistakes are allowed. And you know what? Father is not angry with you because you made a mistake. Isn't that good to know? Jesus is contrasting a, a, a master-servant relationship in the world. And he's saying, that's what the law demands. But when we come to the new covenant, we have a father who's full of grace and mercy and saying, come on, try one more time. Go for one more audition. Get a group together one more time. Go pray for one more person. Go lay your hands on one more sick person. Do it again. Never give up. Never quit. Keep going. Ministering, using your gift is the pathway to maturity. And that's what this month is all about. These Monday nights of this month, we want to actually equip people how to do these things. Because come on, who says it'd be great to see people get saved? Great to see people get delivered. But let me ask, who of you have ever physically led someone else to the Lord through praying with them to give their hearts to Jesus? A few of us, I'm sure. How many of you have physically gone into the water and baptized someone in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in obedience to the commission to be baptized? How many? A few of us. How many of you have seen demons come out when you've prayed for the oppressed? How many of you have seen people get healed, either progressively or instantly? Trevor, just keep your hand up. That's great. I can see you. No, well, amen. And now your biggest task is to equip others. But here's the thing. We all want, we all know we should, but many have still got to be equipped. And that's all we want to do this month, is show people how to do it. But then there's one step after that. Okay? It doesn't stop there. Because have you ever prayed with someone for the baptism of the Holy Spirit? That's the first question. Do you desire to? That's the second question. And then thirdly, are you willing to step out and do it? See, that's the big one. We can know it's a good thing to see someone baptized in the Holy Spirit. We can even get equipped and learn how to do it. 
But then we take that talent and we say, but what if I make a mistake? What if I grieve the Holy Spirit? Well, let me take you off that one. You're not grieving the Holy Spirit. But can you see the fear that comes? That's the most important part. And, and over this month, you're going to be hearing about these things because unless we change a culture from the man of God syndrome, spiritually transmitted disease, virus that will permeate the body of Christ, gladly not yet our way, or if we're going to see the priesthood released, which is the second part of the Reformation, which they didn't get do so well, they got the justification part well. They didn't get the priesthood part so well. We want to give people opportunities. Not only to know about it, but to step into it. Amen? God's going to use you. You didn't think so. You thought you had to go get a degree in theology first. God's going to use you. Now, you thought you had to be a church member for 40 years. God's going to use you. I know, well, there's other people more gifted and more qualified. No, God's going to use you. You're going to get opportunity. Someone's coming to your well. Samaritan lady's coming to your well. We're chatting in the week. uh, Dave Gibbons got a group of retired men. They meet every second week, delightful group of men. And one of the guys, she won't mind me using him as an example, Graham. He uh, shared this testimony. He said um, he he was quite successful as an insurance broker and had his own brokerage with numerous people, uh, consultants. And he was invited to speak and give a lecture to young, budding uh, consultants to motivate them, encourage them, and, and, and share a bit of how he got success in that industry. So he went along with um, three points. And he stood before these students. And he said, to, in order to be successful as a salesman in the insurance industry, as a consultant, number one, Graham tells it much better than I do, eh, Dave? Number one, you have to get in front of people. Number two, you have to get in front of somebody. And number three. Because if you're not getting in front of anybody, you can be sitting designing the fanciest charts and Googling and the internet and whatever they are and getting all the latest techniques on this and that and websites designing and all kinds of new techniques. But if you're not got anybody in front of you, you ain't selling nothing. Right. I love that story. I said, that's it. I'm going to make that story my own. Because we can be equipped to the bad teeth. We can memorize the Bible forwards and backwards. Go to every seminar course. Attend the discipleship training. Even attend this important month, which is kind of the, the crunch month. And never get in front of anybody. Hello? 
So, yeah, the, the, I'm going to finish with this. Those are, the, those are the two major problems we got. The one is all equipped but not empowered. And the other one is all empowered but not equipped. Those are two problems that we can have. The one is we are equipped to the teeth. We know it all. Yes, bought the t-shirt, sold it to buy another Bible, been there, done that. But never anybody in front of us. How? Where? Is that a Zulu word? How? Where? I meant how? Where? And the other problem is also a problem, is where people are so eager to be empowered, which is just released to go and do the work, but they haven't got any equipping. I'm not talking about, they don't need to be mature yet, because maturity is on the pathway of ministry. But there does need to be some establishing in biblical truth and equipping how to minister. Practical ways. How to pray for the sick. Some practical wisdom and common sense. <laughs> like when <laughs> a pastor came to pray for you and he said, can I lay hands wherever the pain is? And you'd had a cyst in a, a delicate place. <laughs> I just thought of that now. <laughs> but a little bit of common sense would go, Where's it sore before I land? <laughs> my, my, my point is a little bit of equipping to minister is not a bad thing before we get empowered to minister. Guys running around, now they're empowered because they have a personality, they have a gift, and they're going and preaching things they shouldn't be preaching, and they're doing ministry and eating snakes and drinking petrol and doing all kinds of mad things because they were desperate to be empowered, but they were never established and they were never equipped. That's the other extreme. Well-meaning people. I hear about it all the time. He's talking to angels on a first-name basis. And one angel even said to him that the Apostle Paul got a few things wrong, but you're going to clear it up, my son. I don't know. When I hear that stuff, I go, I'm sure your heart is right. I'm sure you're going to heaven. But don't you want to just come sit here a little bit first? We don't have to have it all perfect. But, but if someone aims a doom tin in your direction and says this is the cure for all your problems, they're probably right. Because you'll be standing before Jesus long before you ever thought you were going to stand before Jesus. Empowered but not equipped. And equipped, but never a place to get before someone. You've got a gift. You've got a gift. God's given you a gift. Some of those gifts shine in our everyday life where they should, like our careers, our home. You've got a gift. And those gifts make a way for us. But you know that the Bible also speaks about spiritual gifts. And those gifts are slightly different because 
while natural gifts are kind of unique, individualized, personal, last, the gifts of the Spirit are available for those who would press in. But many Christians don't know how to step into those gifts. Lord, this month, in fact, this next year, thank you that you're going to give us many opportunities to step into our gifts. Jesus, you were clear about your purpose, that for this reason the Son of God was manifest to destroy the works of the evil one. Jesus, we know that without a doubt that you are the way, the truth, the life, and nobody comes to the Father but by you. You were so clear in your purpose that you saw the cross and you went through its suffering and you went through its pain. You went through its stigma. You went through the embarrassment of the cross because you saw a bride that would be washed and pure and set free. And then, Lord, you gave us a great commission to go into all the world and make disciples.